0: Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry
1: Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, I think. Nate, are you patiently waiting for me? I am back, my friend. Ready to talk. (laughs) You know, we usually talk hunting or fishing and try to decide what we're going to talk about this time of the year. But I think we'll just talk both so we don't have to struggle with it.
0: Uh, you know, I was talking to, uh, to the lovely lady that keeps us all together. Uh, you know, Karen, and I said, it's, just, it's too hard to pick this time of year. It really is because we have so much changing and so much happening. And honestly, it's kind of that combination of, you know, literally from weekend to weekend. And we talk about that. Some anglers and some hunters are hunting during the week, some are on weekends. But obviously, a lot of people have the traditional weekend type, you know, atmosphere where they're hunting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or fishing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And literally from weekend to weekend, we are seeing drastic changes changes in the the rut of the elk in the fishing um all the things happening so a lot of changes you're just trying to try to keep on top of it all
1: let's start with the hunting what are you seeing out there
0: you know, Terry, we are obviously still in our archery season. Muzzle loader just wrapped up last weekend, um, so we're kind of in the heart of the archery season. in Kind of towards the tail end of last weekend, a little bit early in the week, we saw the elk bugling and the talking slowing down just a hair, just because we had such a big, booming rut during that full moon, uh, but honestly, Terry, things are back into full swing. We're approaching the new moon right now, uh, coming up, I believe, Sunday night. Uh, the cows are starting to go back into that estrus phase, and the bulls are talking, so we We've seen a, a lot of influx in the elk activity in the last two days, uh, and I only think that will increase uh, basically till about the end of the season coming up here at the end of next week. So, a lot of stuff happening. But again, if you had a, a slower last weekend or a slower beginning of the week on the elk hunting side, hearing you know vocalization calling in animals, things of that nature. Uh, we saw a big boom of it in the last couple of days. So if you haven't been out, anticipate to see those elk being a little bit more vocal. Uh, probably the opportunity to call to these animals just a little bit more. Uh, so we're excited about that. Also, we have some good temps right now. Our nights are cooling, our days are still warm, and that's kind of the, the bulk of what I exactly look for. Um, I know to every hunter out there, we don't want the heat. Everybody's like, man, I don't want the heat. I want cold, cold, cold. But if the nights are cold, it keeps the animals really active, keeps the rut happening. But the daytime highs will actually keep these animals on a stable pattern of utilizing wallows and water sources. And I like that because I like their daily patterns to continue. I want the animals to go from their feeding grounds at night to their bedding grounds up early to go drink and then start their nighttime activity again. So by by having the daytime high stay a little warmer, it keeps them very frequent on the water and it keeps them Their pattern's the same. And if I know the patterns, I can plan the patterns, that only
1: increases my odds of creating success out there in the woods. You know, it also helps an old guy like me warm up in the middle of the day too. (laughs) <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> very very
1: much <laughs> you know and sometimes I'll. we're going to talk about this later in the show but sometimes I'll take a fishing rod with me when I hunt and just the middle of the day get away from my hunting area and do a little do a little fishing so it, it, it is a there is a, um, a lot you can do but in fact that's a great transition to what is going on fishing right now
0: you know, there's a lot going on. I got to say two more things on hunting, then we'll make that full switch. So the one thing, I've talked to a lot of hunters that saying they're seeing these herds build up. So by now, a lot of the mature bulls have harems, multiple cows, satellite bulls, and the bulls are being very vocal, but they're struggling calling those bulls in simply for the fact that they have a harem. They don't need any more cows. So although they're very vocal, they're not coming into calls. The one tip that we've been doing a lot this week is really utilizing like the lost cow or lost calf call. So a very excited, a very loud cow call, and you are gonna do all the legwork. So you're calling very frequently as if you are a lost cow or calf, and you're going to walk yourself right into that herd. It's kind of an odd approach. You feel uncomfortable doing it, but you're literally going to call. You're going 100% of the way to the bull. You're not expecting them to come to you. You're literally just using the call as a decoy, and you're going to work yourself right into the herd, right up on that bull. So in those aspects, I know that we're short on time, but that's kind of the concept that's doing very well. We're also putting a lot of energy this weekend, Terry, on scouting pronghorn for next weekend. We're trying to figure out where they're betting, where they're hanging, where the water sources are because opening weekend next weekend for pronghorn that's going to be an awesome opportunity why these animals are still in a daily pattern after opening day of archery or excuse me opening day of rifle pronghorn a lot of the patterns change the animals get moved around get pushed around they feel pressure they break their pattern but next saturday morning october 1st when that season opens up and it's that rifle pronghorn it's going to be the opportunity where these animals are still in a very flawless pattern. Uh, you can make one great approach and you can create that success. So, we're doing a lot of scouting this weekend and this week to know exactly what the pronghorn are doing for the opener next weekend. And that's kind of where we sit on that hunting front. And then, obviously, crossing the fishing. Our mountains are in full swing. Our pike bite is absolutely on. Our water temperature is dropping quickly. Our weeds are starting to fall. Those pike are hungry. So we've seen a huge increase in the activity of the big pike. Uh, we're seeing a big activity of the fall walleye. They have really kind of came 100% out of their summer pattern into their fall patterns so sliding slightly deeper really moving over to reaction baits blade baits jigging wraps uh those type concepts the night jerk bait bite is going very strong especially as we come into this new moon um so a little bit of everything on the fishing front is happening but i would say just in the last couple of days we've really kind of settled into our fall patterns
1: what about the pike what kind of presentations are you using for them you know, Terry, so fall
0: is about bulking up. It's about fishing a bigger presentation, but you really have to judge where you're fishing. So if I am fishing and targeting pikes still around the vegetation, so if there's still standing weeds and the pike are in the weeds, you have to create noise just to get their attention. It's not that the fish don't want your bait. They'll bury themselves so thick in those weeds where they just don't see your bait if it's not right in front of them. So it's all about creating noise if you're around those weeds. We're fishing a lot of oversized spinner baits where we get a ton of flash, ton of vibration, really want to make noise where those fish will come approach to see what the noise is at. Also, you know, oversized really loud jerk baits have been working very well around those weeds. So if we're still targeting the fish that are hanging in the weeds, it's all about those big spinner baits, big jerk baits. If the fish have moved off in open water, which we've seen a lot of them do, a lot of the weeds are collapsing, the pike are now suspended in the water column, and this is when they feed the most of the entire year. So if you have those fish that are suspended suspended out a little bit more open, of over open water, those fish have been hanging in anywhere from about 10 to about 16 feet of water, and they're suspended about five to eight feet below the surface, those fish were fishing big swim baits for. So six, seven, eight-inch swim baits, fishing a lot of perch swim baits, brown trout swim baits, rainbow trout swim baits, Uh, but if it's open water, it's all about the swim bait right now.
1: What about, um, have you tried uh, in the grass and even the open water taking a chatterbait and twi- tipping it with a fairly good-sized bait? We have, you know, Terry. We, we've done quite a bit with the chatterbaits. What we tend to see, and now this
0: is kind of skewed because a lot of my information has come in, you know, well, not exclusively, but very closely to, like, spinning an 11-mile. That's where we would be doing most of our fall pike fishing. Uh, We get a lot of numbers of pike on the chatterbaits. We don't get as many big fish on the chatterbait, So we get a lot of those pike up to that, like, 36 inches, which is still an incredible fish. um, But we're not seeing as many of those real next size up. Not to say it doesn't happen. We catch a few. um, But this last week, we saw a fish brushing 48 inches, which is, you know, 47 and three quarters, which is the biggest pike we've ever seen lengthwise. Usually, our pikes slow down at that 45, 46 inches, and they're, you know, they weigh 30 pounds, but they don't necessarily get long. But we saw two 47 inch fish last week, lots of 45 inch fish. um, And those next level, those giant upper 20 pound fish, um, those are the ones coming on the jerk baits, the spinner baits, the big swim baits. On the chatter baits, again, catch a lot of fish. We're just not quite seeing that next level on the size on the chatter baits.
1: And what about the pike at Spinney, and how long do you think Spinney is going to remain open for boats?
0: You know, Terry, the water level is falling quickly, but uh, I do believe that we're still in good shape. I looked at the end of the ramp the other day seems like we have lots of room. I have a meeting scheduled with Darcy up there. I'm going to make the call, and we'll, we'll kind of get some more information by next weekend show. Uh, but right now, I think we're in good shape, but it's hard to say. You know, in years past, we've always made it to Halloween. Uh, I do not envision that, but I'm hoping we make it, you know, into that second week of October uh, before we start getting that water so low that we're not able to launch the boats. The docks are still in, and that's a great sign. Uh, it seems like there's still a little bit of room on the docks. Um, so, again, we're, we're good right now, and we keep talking about it. While we can fish it, I would definitely make that a priority. We know we're going to be able to fish Chatfield well into the fall. We know 11 miles is going to go you know longer into the fall. Spinny is kind of the oddball one there. So, that's where we're putting a lot of emphasis on fishing that, that body of water while we can.
1: All right, my friend, we have to run, but if people want to get a hold of you, Tightline Outdoors.
0: That's it, tightlineoutdoors.com, Tightline Outdoors on Facebook. We'd love to talk to you.
1: All right. Thanks, Nate. We'll talk to you next week. Nate Slinski. I was a tremendous, tremendous resource. We will post a bunch of these podcasts on our Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So if you miss one, go there. You can usually pick it up or go to the uh, 1043thefan.com and my page, and you can see them. We'll take a time out. we come back, we're going to talk winter camping right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.
2: Some people call me the Space
1: Cowboy. You're listening to Terry Wichstum Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. And speaking of Jack's, let's go to the phones. And joining us from the Jack's Outdoor Gear in Lafayette is Chris Castile. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you doing today? I am doing great. And you know... In the last hour, we were talking to the folks over at um, Ridgeway Reservoir over on the southwest corner of the state. And they're actually expanding the number of sites, especially walk-in sites, that they're leaving open for camping this winter because they're seeing an increased demand. And I think that's happening in a lot of places. I think people used to hesitate to go outdoors in the winter. They'd get uncomfortable And but with the the clothing, the tents, the sleeping bags, the accessories we have now, there's no reason not to enjoy the outdoors year
3: round, is there? Oh, you know, you're absolutely right, Terry. You know, the gear uh, these days is is, is really specifically designed um, to keep you warm and, and cozy outside. Um, you know, and I think you're absolutely right. In the past, people are, are, were hesitating to, to get out there. But I think once you kind of do it, you see, Hey, this is possible. Um, it can be a very enjoyable experience. Um, when you're out there, uh, during the wintertime, fall and, um, early spring, you know, um, of the some of the greatest times to to go for a hike or go for a a, a nice overnighter or even a couple day uh uh trip out there so um, definitely seeing that um and we got the gear to um to make that possible here at jacks so um yeah, I know you do it yeah. and you uh, you do a thing for i think scouts and things
1: it's the ten essentials of maybe camping or being out there let's kind of go through those and talk now. Going camping or hiking is different than if you get in a pure survival mode, folks, but these are things you might need if you get in that mode, too, but also that'll make you comfortable. Why don't you kind of take us through your essentials if you're going to go out in this cold weather any time of the year, what are the things you need?
3: You know, you're you're absolutely right, Terry. Um, these are things that uh, every hiker should probably carry in one way or another while they're on the trail. Be it for just a couple of hours up in the Flatirons, or maybe you know, on a on a, on a couple month long trip across the Colorado Trail. Uh, these are things that every hiker and backpacker camper should have, uh, scouts should have in their pack on the trail. Um, so let's go through them. The first one's obvious. You know, I mean, when you think about when you're out there doing physical activity, you're going to need water. So, what does that look like? That's bringing a couple liters of water in your pack using a, a camel bag. We have uh, all kinds of hydration bags um, available in the store. What we also have. A great selection of water filtration options. Um, a lot, you know, the benefits of being out in the, in the, in the mountains of Colorado and the Rockies is there's streams, there's water everywhere. As you know, we talked about, um, in the past hour with fishing, um, but you can capture that water and, and, use it, uh, to keep yourself sustained too with the help of a, a filter system, filtration system. Um, now so, with
1: those, with those, t- with those filtration systems, I know some people might be
3: hesitant, how effective are they? And is it really good drinking water? You know, I'll tell you there nowadays, they're extremely effective and the drinking water is, is fantastic. Um, in the past, I know sometimes the, the, the filtration wasn't, wasn't really up to par and, you know, um, you might still uh, have some pathogens in there, but the ones today they, you know, we have one specifically that will remove viruses um, and, you know, we'll, Kind of ones that will just uh, filter out large particulates and then uh, depending on what your needs are, where you're going, um, you might want to get a, a, a one that will kind of filter out more of those pathogens and viruses. But, you know, I, I can shamelessly plug the Sawyer brand filter. Uh, it's my go-to filter that I use in the Rocky Mountains and I uh, and, uh, definitely in believe in it, it's super easy to use and, uh, and it works great.
1: Well, and it keeps you from carrying water has a lot of weight. If you were trying to carry enough water for a long, long trip, it'd be it would really weigh you down. So, what's next on your essentials?
3: Oh well, going right with water is food, trail snacks. Um, you got to keep your you got to keep your energy levels high. You know, you lose a lot of nutrients while you're sweating. Um, so, food. I like to recommend bringing in some hydration salts as well too. Um, especially you know if you're going to be um, hiking uphill a lot you're going to be sweating even in the winter Um, so it's important to be able to maintain those uh, nutrients and uh, electrolytes in your body so what does that food look like i mean cliff bars trail snacks we have all kinds of that stuff for you know just the daytime type hikes um, all the way up to we have dehydrated uh food that's so advanced nowadays that has so much calories and protein packed into it and, it, and it's dehydrated so you know you're not carrying that extra weight as well um you can just use your water at the time you're ready to um to eat that and, and rehydrate that meal with a little camp stove um which has you know been pretty much the standard for the past decade at least I'd say so or so you know some people still like to bring the MREs and things like that or you know even I talk to some of the ultralight uh tigers out there they'll just bring a bag of almonds I don't know if I can really do that you know I like to have a nice you know beef stew or something when uh, when I'm when I'm getting ready to hunker down for dinner and everything so um uh so yeah food's definitely the next one that will go into to number three Uh, Sun protection, you know, being out here in Colorado, we get 300 days of sunshine a year, is what they advertise. So you got to be ready to protect your skin from that, especially at higher elevations. Um, You know, you can get a sunburn real quick. So, uh, you know, make sure you're bringing it. Hold on. Even
1: in the winter, people don't realize you feel cool, but you're not protected. And you're also getting reflection off the snow a lot. Uh, you see so many skiers with that raccoon face, but anybody who's spending time outdoors, especially at elevation, you're really, it, it, I go to a dermatologist once a year because of the time I spend outdoors. Yet I wear gaiters and put on sunscreen and even wear the, the gloves, even in the warm weather, the, the cover the back of my hands. But it's a real concern.
3: Oh, absolutely it is. And, you know, what you said about the snow is absolutely true. It's good to bring a good pair of sunglasses or goggles in winter because that reflection off the sun will, I mean, it will really be a distraction and uh, end up burning your eyes as well, too. So uh, sun protection is critical, one of the ten essentials. The next one, number four, we're looking at navigation. Um, you know, in the old days, we brought our compass and map. I still encourage people to do that, and even with all the fancy GPSs um, and apps that we have on our phones, where you can download the maps or use your Garmin GPS, um, you know, those are awesome pieces of technology, and they've really gotten accurate in the past couple of years. I mean, massive breakthroughs have been happening in the um, personal uh, GPS device realm, um, and you know, the technology has all gotten smaller. Um, I'm referring really to uh, the Garmin inReach Mini 2 right now. That one's kind of the one to get. They call it the inReach because you can text your family members. um, You can uh, let them know you're all right on the trail um, and also still have full access to the uh, GPS mapping um, as well as you can download the weather reports and things like that. So, uh, you know, they're awesome. Uh, But I always encourage people to learn how to use just an old fashioned compass and a map and be able to practice um, on your local trails, doing some spotting, um, drills and exercises. So in the case that you lose your Garmin or, or your GPS isn't functioning for whatever reason, runs out of battery, something like that, you still have a backup, um, option to get out of dodge or at least get back towards the trail i know a lot of back uh backwoods uh, fishermen and hunters are going to be way off the trail so that's extremely critical uh coming going in and you know we're in the hunting season now but for people that may be listening going out on their first hunting trip navigation absolutely critical um all right we better we better move a little quickly through them but okay. what's next we're looking at shelter You know, that's pretty, pretty obvious. You got to stay out of the elements. Um, You got to be prepared to stay out of the wind, snow. So what does that look like? That's a tent. It's even bringing just the heavyweight poncho on a day trip, uh, something that you could set up an improvised shelter if needed. Um, Number six, insulation. What is that? That's your sleeping bag. On a day hike, it's maybe... Bring in your puffy jacket or an extra sweater, maybe a couple extra base layers, gloves. Like you said earlier, it's for sun protection. Can double as some uh, insulation. Um, as you know, when it gets windy up there, any kind of exposed skin is going to uh, get a lot colder. Um, so insulation. First aid going into the next one kind of ties in with that as well. You got to bring a first aid kit. You got to bring some moleskins for blisters. Um, I like to bring some liquid skin. Uh, it's real easy to do on cuts and scrapes, even blisters. It works great. I love. I always bring alcohol wipes. Um, help you get sanitized off that uh, band aids. You know, some light. Um, light dressing as well too. So first aid, uh, number eight is the knife repair. Um, you gotta have a knife. You gotta be able to, to do repairs, do small, uh, cuts, things like that. So you gotta bring, um, a knife. We've got a great selection of knives here at Jackson. We have a great repair section, um, with all kinds of, uh, gear aid brand, uh, repair kits, um, Tenacious tape is from Gear 8. I, I wrap that around my trekking poles when I go out there so it's there, and I always have some available for slight repairs. Um, illumination, number nine, got to be able to see, especially if you're out at night or, you know, you, it might take you a little longer to go up the top of the hill than you thought, and you're coming down in the, uh, in the dim light. So you gotta you got to bring a flashlight, headlamps, um, the, the headlamps nowadays are great too. A lot of them, most of them are rechargeable, USB rechargeable. So they'll just plug right into your, your cell phone charger. Um, and, and real lightweight these days too. So definitely come in check out what we got for that. And number 10 and Terry, I know we had spoke a little bit yesterday and I believe you and I kind of agreed this is the most important one. It's fire. You've got to be able to start a fire if you need to, um, for multiple reasons, obviously warmth, but also, um, in, in case you need to cook. Um, it, it'll also go hand-in-hand hand with your shelter and also kind of just, you know, be a, a, a little bit, it lifts the soul when you're out there, especially in a survival situation or even, um, you know, at night to just kind of be staring at the fire. I think man's been doing that since the, the dawning of time. So um, so that's a critical one. We've got all kinds of stuff um, to do with that. Feral rods, waterproof matches. Um, I even recommend bringing a small magnifying glass or something like that on a nice sunny day. You can actually focus that um, on some tinder. And get some get some uh, smoke going and ambers going from that. And I encourage every outdoorsman to practice, uh, you know, um, um, making fire without the use of a lighter um, in the comforts of their own backyard or or somewhere um, local that they you know they can do it without pressure and really get used to, to to utilizing some of that equipment and be able to use it in, in uh, adverse situation if need be. Um, so that's the ten essentials. And, you know, that, yeah. you know, you can go on and on and on about each one in detail, but that's just kind of the brief uh, synopsis and come to yeah. Jack, see, come see us. And we'll, we'll show you what all those look like in person as well.
1: Yeah, And I want to just take a minute to talk to that. Those are the essentials of being out there and being comfortable and being successful and staying out of trouble. Um, if you get in trouble, get hurt or get lost, what you need changes a little bit, the priorities and we're going to do some shows coming up here in the future on outdoor survival, because many people go up for a day hike, they get lost or injured or they're up camping and they're away from their camp and they get injured. And we used to ask people, what do you need to have with you when you're on those trips and that happens and all of these 10 things would be nice, but really if once something happens, the order of what you need really changes. And in my opinion, and I'll let you comment on this in just a second, but fire moves to the top As having done search and rescue a fire keeps you, gives you signaling, tells people where you are. It keeps you in one place. We hated to find where you've been instead of where you are. And it also keeps you from panicking, which is what gets most people in trouble. And then food and water drop down the list because we used to go by the three, three, three rule. You can go three, three minutes without air. You can go three hours with, in adverse conditions without shelter, you can go three days without water and three weeks without food. Now there's variations depending on your conditions, your exertion level, the temperature that, that vary those, but your priorities really change if you have a, something happens, don't they?
3: Absolutely. And you know, you're, you're absolutely correct with the the three by three by three rule. That's another outdoorsman's code. Um, and things are, they're teaching in, um, in the, out, you know, the realm of the outdoors and, and you're absolutely right. Um, the, the order does definitely change in that survival mode. Um, and fire. I like, I was saying earlier, I definitely agree with you. That is definitely the most important one. So, uh, always make sure to, to be, be bringing some equipment to at least start some type of, uh, uh fire when you're out there. Um, and I agree with you. You know, it is great to have all these ten, but in realistically, a lot of times you might only have four or five of these things, and you, and um, and you got to be ready to, um, to to survive out there. Another thing I will mention briefly is, you know. With today's technology and just how technical the gear has gotten, you can pretty much comfortably fit all ten of these in your bag um, in a a small day bag. Um, You know, it won't be a comfortable tent. It won't be a comfortable, uh, you know, uh, a sleeping bag. But we got ultra light little space uh, blankets, ultra light um, you know, small ponchos that you can just throw in your bag. You forget it's in there. And, um, uh, I recommend every, every hiker, especially new hiker to, to, to build a small kit of uh, a little kit that they can just bring with them on every hike, uh, that they go and, and, um, be ready for, for the worst to, um, to happen. So yeah. Chris,
1: we are out of time, but thank you so much. Great information. People all post this on our, our social media next week. Thank you, Chris. So, yeah, thank you, Terry. I appreciate the opportunity, and I hope you guys have a great rest of the day. Right. Chris Chris Castile from the Lafayette Jacks Outdoor Gear. We're going to take a quick time out, and Chad LaChance is going to join us, and we're going to talk doing a little fishing while you're hunting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. Mm-hmm. you down, and the world crashing all around. All right, we're you back. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and of course, we're listening to Wickstrom and Dolbreth, a song from our EP, which is probably our next guest's favorite song. I don't know, Chad, do you listen to Wickstrom and Dolbreth?
2: <laughs> Believe it or not, I do, Terry. Uh, you sent me that when you first started working on it, and, uh, and I appreciate it. Well done. You're a man of many talents. You're the guy that listened. Okay. Of
1: course, we're talking to Chad Chad LaChance from Fishful Thinker. Chad, everybody knows you're an avid, avid angler. And I think if they've listened to the show over the years, they know you're also an avid hunter of many different types of hunting and spend a lot of time in the field. But like when you're big game hunting, it's usually concentrated in a few parts of the day. And the other parts of the day, you kind of sneak in some fishing, don't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know the thing about it is here, it, particularly in Colorado, all the mountain hunting we have. You're all if you're in any decent deer country, you're probably around uh, good fishing country as well. And I just did a big lap. I've been up bear hunting up in Grand County, and. Uh, I just did a big lap through the county checking some stuff out and all the conditions, everything from the little tiny creeks to the great big rivers, you know, the Colorado River itself, uh, the Blue River, they all are looking absolutely fantastic right now. So, um, you know, it's crazy to not bring at least a small amount of tackle with you. And, and I'm not advocating packing all your fishing tackle. For me, this is an opportunity thing. Say, okay, it's it's midday. You know, we're going to go take a break for a little bit. Well, a change of gears and maybe a little bit of success by taking just a small box of tackle with a couple of quick things in it. I'm not advocating, uh, you know, bringing waiters and all that. I'm saying really uh, opportunity, you know, um, just just opportunity fishing. We've got a little bit of time. We're in a good area. Let's do a little bit of fishing while we're here. To catch a fish or two, or maybe even eat a couple of them, you know, for dinner around the campfire. But the key to me is keep it simple, as simple as you can. You're going to have enough stuff already hunting and it is a hunting trip with a little bit of fishing that i'm advocating not the other way around so the way i see it is uh, a small spinning rod in this case it's one of the few times i actually will just grab an ultralight and i'm not usually an ultralight guy I generally like uh, one or two steps heavier than that but an ultralight uh, with with light line on it a little tiny box i'm not talking about a full-on tackle box i'm talking about a little plano box, you know, uh that's an inch and a half thick and I think they're six inches by four inches or something, with like a half a dozen very simple lures in it. And the reason I say is spinning right. even if you're a fly guy because you just less stuff to carry, much, much more simple, and you don't need to wade. Uh, you don't have to get out in the river. So that makes things a little bit easier. So for me, it's going to have a couple of, of little Berkeley hit sticks in it, like a number of five or seven, maybe a nine on the outside, probably a five or seven, um, which would be similar to a, like a number five or seven floating Rapala, Same kind of idea uh, as far as the bait goes. Uh, maybe a little Johnson minnow spin, like an 8-ounce minnow spin, an inline spinner, again, similar to something like a rooster tail, or also, and more and more these days, the little Berkeley Power Swimmer, they make a 2-inch Power Swimmer, and, and that thing on a 16-ounce jig head is Absolutely deadly on on average size trout. Of course, the bigger power swimmer on the bigger jig heads big, is is great on bigger fish as well. But again, we're just opportunity fishing and you know, some like for instance, we were also just up in um, uh, State Forest State Park creeks everywhere uh lakes everywhere with the setup i just had you know a little ultralight or light powered spinning around in that little power swimmer you could catch brookies browns rainbows uh stalker type fish or high mountain cutthroats or anything in between while you're elk hunting and what really made me think about this is we were up there and i heard an elk bugle while i'm standing there on the side of the of the river and i'm thinking geez man i you know it's definitely a sign of both uh you know both seasons right now and Really, it's more just to break up a little bit of what can be monotonous uh, hunting-wise. I'm on, uh, what am I, day eight, I think, of bear hunting now, and uh, you don't see a lot of game when you're hunting bears. Same thing, my deer seasons, a lot of times, they'll drag on for for the entire season because I'm working hard to find a mature animal, and uh, and it's good to have a break and maybe uh, go catch a couple of fish.
1: Well, you know, not only is it good to have a break, but very often those middle of the day times are so unproductive that when hunters try to hunt through that time, they get frustrated. And sometimes they even disrupt their own hunt because they get careless.
2: Absolutely. And you wear yourself down and, and particularly mountain hunting, something like elk hunting is physically exhausting. And um, one of the things my hunting partner and I, I've been hunting with the same guy for 38 years, my hunting partner and I have talked about a lot is conserving your both your mental focus and your physical ability because, you know, by the time you are on day seven or day eight, you're for sure going to be tired if you don't rest during the middle of the day. And, and I get it. Some guys will go camp, you know, go lay, lay around at camp or whatever. But like, for instance, during antelope season, we were up at the Delaney's and there was a bunch of people camping on the side of Delaney's that were hunting antelope. And I asked him and none of them had fishing tackle. I was like, you can Came to the Delaney Complex and camped, uh, or excuse me, Lake John. Came to Lake John Complex and camped hunting yeah, look, Didn't bring a fishing rod. No, didn't bring a fishing rod. Not a good strategy because the fishing there is excellent this time of year, as you know. And and I'll tell you this: a couple of brook trout, like in the ten inch range, out of any one of these creeks in Deer Elk Country, uh, fantastic table fare, simple to cook uh, in camp, and uh, and just really a fun way to put a put a grin on your face and save your your seriousness for your deer hunting.
1: And, and taking a few brook trout, they're so prolific. I mean, if you get a 17-incher or something, you know, it's an unbelievable fish. It's colored in the fall. Release that. But you get some 8 to even 12-inch brook trout or 11, especially that 10-inch size. You know, keeping a two, three, four of those is not going to impact the fishery.
2: No, and in, in a lot of cases, if you talk to a biologist, they would encourage you to do that uh, because they are so prolific, as you said. And generally if you've got a stream that's full of eight inches and you want 12 inches, you need to take about a half of those eight inches out and you'll get some 12 inches. So, uh, taking a, you know, taking some of those fish and eating them and and they're real simple. You can cook them in a cast iron skillet whole, you know, take the heads and guts off and cook them whole. If that situation, a little bit of butter, salt, pepper, and lemon juice goes a long way. I'm sure since since I'm talking to Terry, we better throw some Chardonnay in there, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're simple to cook. They're good for you, and it's good for the uh, for the population to tend some of them out. So, you know, that's a really good call. And a lot of the guys are camping. I'm, I'm, what I've been looking at up in Grand County, they're camping right along the Colorado River or right near the Colorado River, and there's hardly a prettier place to fish this time of year than the colorado river too so uh i mean the leaves are changing nice the water's clear there's plenty of water flow right now in the rivers up there uh really it's just just screaming you know perfect conditions to fish
1: well you're know, the way you were talking too i mean you don't need a lot of complex tackle in fact you might teach yourself a few lessons about fishing the rest of the year of sometimes your decision making how you get or outthink it when if you just have a few choices, basic choices with you, you tend to stick with those and find out how effective they are.
2: Absolutely, and then you you figure out that it comes down to how you work most lures that more than the lure itself. Uh, You know, your casting angles and accuracy and all of those things add up when you only have one lure to work with as or, or a couple of lures to work with, as you said. And for me, to be honest with you, if I'm going to do this, exactly what I'm talking about right now, I'm taking the ultralight and I'm taking those 2-inch power swimmers on the 16 ounce jig because i can throw it in the colorado river i can fish it deep in those big plunge pools i can also throw it in a brookie pond you know a a little um, uh beaver pond i should say and you know that tends to be extremely clear and shallow and i can swim it across those you can swim in the current you can hop it down the current you can do anything with it and all fish will bite it all kinds of trout will bite it so it's just a matter of keeping it simple it's just more of a change gears change mindset and in my my personal opinion a, a little touch of success if you're hunting for days on end success when hunting comes down to in one harvest well it's nice to have a little you know positive reinforcement that hey okay i could do this i can catch a few fish if, if you know you're just bringing the mental game back a little bit the focus back a little bit for when you're going out and hunting
1: we only got about a minute left uh, i want to get a quick update from me on Tooth reservoir
2: Yes, sir. It is uh, low and still falling. They're doing some work on the uh, on the inlet to it, and we got a little short run of water, and then, um, and then it quit, and it's dropping fast. Most of the marina uh, has been vacated at this point. Um, having said that, the boat ramps are still fine. They're, we're coming up on a change of hours, so uh, people need to go to the website, check on that for the timing of the boat ramps because I'm not sure exactly what date it is, but they are changing the boat ramp hours. But the lake is definitely fishable. Uh, this time of year is just transitioning into being good fishing. It tends to be a little bumpy at the end of August and uh, first of September, but now it's uh, transitioning. And they, I will say this: we, we mentioned trout a bunch. They put a bunch of trout in here uh, a couple different times this year now, and they are showing up, and, and the colder it gets, the more they will show up and be accessible to guys on the bank as well. So uh, definitely fishable right now. Walleyes numbers are higher than I've seen in a while as far as the catch rate of them from guys. Now, I haven't personally been targeting the wise because I have been hunting, but I can tell you that guys that I know have been, and they're doing better right now than they've been doing all year.
1: That sounds good, Karen. And I were out there a few days ago. We got into some smallmouth on Ned rigs, but we didn't quite get them to go on the like the jigging wraps or the Johnny darters or those kind yet. But I think that should just continue
2: to get better. Yeah, we just need a little bit of cold weather for that, and, uh, and they'll move towards that for sure. Right now, I was just down here on the edge of the lake uh, yesterday evening, and there was fish chasing bait up real shallow, high in the water column, right on the flat banks, and, uh, and running shot up on the dirt. So if there's that many fish that shallow, we're still a little bit early yet for the, uh, the jigger spoon bite.
1: All right, my friend, we're out of time. If people want to get a hold of you, it's fishfulthinker.com, fishfulthinker on social media.
2: Yep, podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and I'd appreciate it very much.
1: All right, we will talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks, Chad. All
2: right, thanks, Terry.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick time out. We're going to wrap this up, and maybe we'll banter a little bit with Dan Jacobs when we get back on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. I'm sad and lonely. <laughs> You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. That bumper music coming in was one hand off hand of hand hand the Wickstrom and Dobrath uh, EP that's streaming everywhere. We always appreciate if you go search Wickstrom and Dobrath on social media or streaming and give us a listen. By the way... Corey is driving on their way to Nebraska to fish and her son Everest is becoming quite the outdoor guy and he's celebrating his eighth birthday today. So happy birthday Everest and keep fishing, keep fishing. Remember that. A couple things. Um, next week we're going to be on ESPN from 10 to 12 instead of the fan from nine to 11 because of a football game. We'll post that on our social media and follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom outdoors. You'll find out if there's any schedule changes we post links to a lot of the podcasts on, on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And also, when every time Karen puts a new video on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, uh, she posts that also on our Facebook. And you can follow us, like I said, uh, Wickstrom and Dobreth on social media. Give us a, a follow there. Let's, is Dan, Dan Jacobson studio? Mr. Wickstrom, yes, Miss, I am here. I was talking to the uh, legendary Brad Hart, our engineering guru, and uh, I I didn't hear you. Oh well, you know, you should pay attention when I'm on. You should be glued to the show. Well, I'd be the only one. Yes. Hey, watch it, pal. Yeah, I know. You what. know, we got. I have mixed feelings going to this game with the Forty ers I don't. I don't discount the fact that the Broncos have the ability to play really well and po- and possibly beat them. I just don't have a lot of confidence right now because of the way they have played. If you look back at the last two games, they probably should have won the first where they overall played much better and had some critical mistakes. The second game was just kind of a disaster. It just unveiled a lot of things that need to be worked on, but they won. And they probably could have easily lost both games or won both games. And I I just don't know how to figure this team out and if they can correct these mistakes. I'm not holding out hope this week. I think by the end of the season or middle middle way through the season, we should be a little more optimistic. But right now there are some serious concerns and the Niners are a very well-coached team and quite frankly, they have the better quarterback in now. So yeah, you're right to be a little bit worried there, Terry. Well, and I think you're right. I think first of all, to say that our new head coach is one and done and he's going to be fired and all. I mean, they're not going to do that. He's as long as he shows some improvement. And I think anybody that thought this would all come together with a new coach, a new quarterback and new coordinators, everybody in the first few weeks was kidding themselves, but it's a 17 game season. And I, I still think if they get their act together and with their schedule, they can still do 10 or 11 wins and be pushing for a playoff spot, whatever happens this next week or this tomorrow, um, but I do think we need to see some improvement. If we're uh, He needs to show, he's saying the right things, now he has to do the right things. Yeah, I just think it's a tough opponent. Actually, the next couple weeks, it's going to be fairly tough for them. And I'm actually, I am, I'm not talking about this during my show, but I might be revising my outlook for the season, Terry. Yeah, well, they you know, they've got to show us some confidence. And, you know, and a little bit, they've been bit by a lot of injuries early. Now, some of those guys are going to try to play tomorrow. But how well are they going to play? Are they coming back because they're ready or out of desperation? I don't know. I hope that they're coming back because they're 100% ready. Because, I mean, football players, after the first game, everybody plays injured. But I just hope they're doing the right things, Dan. Yes, me too. Hey, I'm going to close this out, and you can talk Broncos at the top of the hour. Sounds good. All right. We're going to close out Terry Wickstrom Outdoors for this week. Tune in every week, usually on The Fan from 9 to 11. Next week we'll be on ESPN from 10 to noon. Want to thank Dante in the studio. Karen here for all her help. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports with Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan.